0: Father, we thank You for Your grace. We thank You for Your mercy. We thank You for bringing us through a terrible, horrible time. And we thank You, Lord, though clearly a hedge was breached in order for this to occur. Lord, we thank You that because of intercessory prayer that a hedge has been rebuilt. And we thank You. We want to sustain and maintain that hedge remember what the devil said to god concerning job he said i can't touch him unless you bring down that hedge that wall of protection that's around him if that if you don't allow it i can't do it you have to permit it for it to be done and remember what god said to ancient israel i look for a man i look for a man I looked for a man among them to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. And I found none, therefore I brought judgment. But before he brought judgment, he looked for a man to stand in the gap and make up the hedge because it tells you something about the heart of God. He delights in mercy. And if someone is appealing to him for mercy, he would rather show mercy than send judgment. That's the heart of our God, it's not his will. He has to be a just God, and he has to do justice in the earth. But it's not his will that any perish, none, but that all have eternal life. We serve a good and gracious God. And when someone stands in the gap, he listens. He said, that's what I want to hear. That's my heart. That's my, my supreme will is to forgive and restore, not to judge and to punish. Isn't that wonderful to know we serve a God like that? That before He does anything, He looks for somebody. So is there anybody going to cry out for mercy? Anybody going to stand in the gap? Heavenly Father, we stand in the gap and we make up a hedge when we do that. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. A wall of righteousness. Glory to God. Amen. Years ago, I have to remember, just, just
1: let me share this with you. 15 years ago, Um, I have one daughter, and only one, Um, and she's just like a treasure. Uh, Fifteen years ago, on September 10th, she was at a Twyla Tharp dance performance at the Twin Towers that night, and uh, the next day, it all came crashing down. I was at my job, and she was at school, and she went to school in Manhattan, because that's where her dance theater was, and I was in Brooklyn, and... I waited for the call to find out where she was at, and let me tell you something, a shield and a buckler, it was way past that, way past that. We are marked with a mark, and that blood, oh my God, thank God for the blood. I get a call, and she's at school, and her phone is the only phone that works on that whole level. And people are asking her to use the phone to contact their parents, one after another. She goes, "Mom, I have just enough time to tell you that I'm okay. I didn't go back into Manhattan. I went to school. Yeah. She said, I saw the concert last night. I danced, and I'm back at school. She says, but I need to see if I can let other people use my phone. I'm walking home. And there's just tons of people. We're coming over the bridges, and there's no transportation, no subways, no buses, no cabs. And all you see is smoke, and all you see is fear. And I walked down that street, praising God, and my phone was one of the only phones that worked. And people were coming to me and they'd tap me on the shoulder and they'd be like, if I could just tell somebody that I'm alive. You want me to tell you something? I don't know about you all. I said, but I know who I believe in. I know who we believe in. And he will cover us in the midst of the storm. I believe we have Amen covered. I believe we're covered here. And I believe anybody we pray for and touch believing that they're covered we are a powerful group of people we don't need thousands but when we get thousands we're going to be even more powerful he said one two how many can we send to flight i'm telling you that god has us covered i don't care where we go and what we do as long as we stick with him god has us covered so i thank god for 15 years ago because after that was over I had to get another job, and somehow I ended up on a man- mayoral initiative for 9-11. I got to meet those people, interview them for the press, talk with them for the mayor's office. It was such a humbling experience. They had lost Everything that they knew, they had seen people they loved just fly out of windows, hoping that air was going to catch them. I'm telling you, we don't got to hope because God's got us. Amen.
0: Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. God's got us today. Praise the Lord. Thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Uh, Our time is fleeting and we're taking time because this is a day to remember. This is a memorial day and I'm not going to try to bring a full you know, 3.4.8.10 point sermon today, I want to pursue where the spirit is leading, where he's guiding today. Uh, There is a scripture that I want to, in light of this song, and we're going to play that song when we're done today, one more time, this touched a chord in me. Uh, I want, we're in a day when there is a message out there and it sounds good because it puts you in control. As if we can control our circumstances, we can control our destiny by our faith and by our authority as a believer. And we have great delegated authority given us from the Lord. Uh, But only to do His bidding and His will and uh, not to do our thing. It's not something that we can arbitrarily use. You can't use the name of Jesus for just anything if you don't believe it. Ask the seven sons of Sceva, a Jew, who had been around the real power of God in the early church. And he decided we can make money by being exorcist, Real, genuine exorcist, casting out demons. There's a lot of people possessed of the devil and we can charge to cast them out. And we can make money and we know the formula, so it should be a piece of cake. We've seen Paul do it in the name of Jesus. We saw Paul do it. We were in the crowd when Paul cast out demons in the name of Jesus Christ. Ain't nothing to it. So they went and found someone that was demon-possessed. <laughs> and, uh, and they began to gather around him. And they said, we adjure you. In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, come out well you see if you don't have if you're not, if you don't belong to Jesus and you don 't have that delegated authority to use his name, you can 't just use it any anytime, any place for anything jesus didn 't even use his authority that way, though he was God in the flesh, incarnate, He said the words that I speak are not my words, but what I hear my Father saying the works that i do are not my works but what i see my father do i don't do anything arbitrarily he everything he said and did was in the 100 percent perfect will of god and that takes a 100 percent perfect surrender if he wasn't fully surrendered he couldn't walk in the perfect will of god if i'm not perfectly surrendered when i start seeking god's will i don't start by seeking god's will I start by surrendering to God's will. Because my flesh, like your flesh, most of the time would think we know what is best. How many remember the 50s and black and white TV? The late 50s. Several of you. I'm glad you're here today. I hate being the only guy that remembers back when. That's why I love this guy. He's, he's old school. And that's why I love that guy. Because he's old school. I really love this one right here because he's, he's old school too. Sorry, Willie, you're not that old yet. Hang on as long as you can to middle age. Father Knows Best was a popular television program. Father always figured it out. In reality, he was an alcoholic and he didn't have all the answers and that wasn't your model family. But when you come to the spiritual Christian community, Father Knows Best... We serve a God who works for our eternal good, not our immediate comfort. Thank you for the amens on that. I knew that wouldn't go over like everything else. Can you say amen? He's more interested in conforming us to the image of His Son than just giving us what we want. And there's a message out there that is manipulative when it comes to God, that we can call the shots in the Old Testament, when when Eli's sons were offering strange fire in the temple, making themselves vile, the Bible said he did not restrain them. And God brought a young man. He prepared a young man that was a protege. He was a servant like Elisha to Elijah to Eli. Amen. His, his name is Samuel. And, and, and he's, 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 he's just servant-hearted. He doesn't have some holy ambition to become something great, but he's got a servant heart. And Eli, of course, pronounces blessings where God can't bless. God couldn't bless Israel in compromise. And that's why when they went into the battle, they said, when you hear the name Shiloh, Shiloh, that normally meant peace, but when you hear it, in this defeatist sense when they lost the ark in battle and lost a lot of lives in battle and they lost, therefore, the victory. Eli brought that upon them by not restraining his sons, not holding a standard and pronouncing a blessing where God could not bless. Once the compromise begins, it's a slippery slope. It goes on down. I remember Tony Evans uh, talking about his son when they lived the early days of their ministry in an apartment complex. His son wanted to play basketball. He had aspirations to pray, play professional college or beyond. Uh, but when he was in, in his younger days, uh, he said, Dad, I'm having trouble making the baskets. Would it be possible for you to get a ladder and lower the standard? so it'd be easier for me to make the basket because he was short he hadn't grown like you did amen i know you're not basketball height but to me you are amen i always look up to him and he always looks down on me i don't know what that's all about but anyway he wanted him to lower the standard he said son if i lower the standard you will never ever get good enough to play college basketball If I lower the standard where it's easy for you to make it, you will never learn how to shoot. You will never practice. You will never discipline yourself. He said, no, leave the standard where it's going to be when you get in high school leave the standard where it's going to be when you get in college and if you if you're good enough and you apply yourself you'll be able to make those shots and we won't have to lower the standard for you to do it we don't need to lower god's standard listen the robe of righteousness that god grants us amen he's not going to change and alter the robe to accommodate our compromise and sin he's going to change us to make us worthy of the robe. And I'm not talking about sinless perfection, but I'm talking about a surrendered life that acknowledges without any argument Jesus is Lord over my life. Can you say man? Alright. So let's get back to the to the shield thing. Thou, O Lord, the scriptures say, art a shield for me. My glory and the lifter of my head. I want to explain the shield of faith very clearly to you today. It is not what most people think it is. It is not what's being taught in huge circles today. It is not a force within you. It's not a force within you. It doesn't magically occur as you read the Scriptures. Not even the promises produce faith. Promises do not produce faith. They produce hope. And faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Two times Jesus used the term great faith. Two times in the New Covenant, in the New Testament. Two times. And it's nothing like it's being presented today when He called it that. Woman comes to Jesus... She has a daughter at home vexed of the devil. She has no covenant with God because she is not a Jew and the gospel hadn't been given to the Gentile yet. And she says unto him, "Come and deliver my daughter. She's vexed of the devil. Come and come and deliver her." And Jesus turns to her because she can't claim the covenant. And he said, it's not meat, it's not proper, it's not in divine order, to give the children's bread, children's, with the hyphen saying, it belongs to them. Oh, friend of mine, I want you to know something. As a child of God, you said it. You're about to preach my sermon. Glory be to God. I I could let you go ahead and I'd just sit down and get a rest today. Hallelujah. Amen. God's got it. God has it. God's made a provision for His children. We are we are powerfully blessed. Amen. We are wonderfully blessed today. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. We do have authority, but it's not to do our thing. It's to do His will. And we will never discover His will unless we fully surrender to it. We can't pray His kingdom come until we're able to pray our kingdom go. Amen. And when we're fully surrendered, because Jesus even said, if there's any other way... To achieve your will and accomplish your purpose. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will be done. In other words, I'm surrendering my will to your will, no matter what the cost. And the moment he did it, and it, it was hard to come to that place. It's not a, it's not one of those little snap things you do on Sunday morning. It, it takes a deep commitment of your life and heart and will. Remember when Jesus went into Gethsemane? My dad used to be, it was his favorite song. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses, and the voice I hear falling on my ear the Son of God disposes, and he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, none other has ever known. The sound of his voice is so sweet. The birds stop their singing. And then he would make all those different bird sounds on the, on the fiddle. And, but the sentiment of the song. When I picture Jesus in the garden, I picture this safe, wonderful, floral, foliage place where it's so conducive to just resting in the Lord. Gethsemane. It was an olive grove. And there was an olive press in the olive grove. And an olive press was a great stone. They didn't have mechanics. They had the great stone with a groove cut in it. So the olive oil, when it is mashed, when the olives are mashed, could run through that groove and drip and pour down. And they had a larger stone that they had suspended above the other stone and they would take the olives and dump them on the bottom of a stone and allow the top stone to come down and mash them flat. And when they did, the oil of the olive would pour through that groove and pour out. Jesus said when he went into that garden, he said his soul was sorrowful Unto death, and Jesus, who was god incarnate, but he didn 't operate in in his divinity, but in humanity, so we could understand what we could expect from God when the pressure is on, but surrendering his will, let me explain something to you when, when I think of his suffering, I think of the pain of being impaled on that cross. I think of being whipped like he was whipped, and the flesh tore from his bones. I think of the the pressing of the crown of thorns when those thorns were that long. They have an authentic crown of thorns at the Christian bookstore. And how do you handle it without hurting yourself? The, 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 The thorns are that long. And they pierced him. So blood streamed the scalp. The capillaries in the scalp are close to the surface. And that's why when you cut your head, that's why it bleeds so profusely because the capillaries are close to the surface. But before he got to that kind of suffering, there was a suffering in the garden. And he needed support. He felt what we feel when we go through things. That's why he's that high priest that's touched with the feeling of our infirmities, for he was tempted in all points yet like we are yet without sin. But he felt all of the pressure all of the pull of all that the enemy could throw at him. He went before us. That's why he can deliver us. He knows how to deliver us. He knows how to help us because he's been through it himself. He said to Peter, I want you to stay here and pray. I must do this by myself, but I want you to support me in prayer. Listen, prayer is so supportive. If Christ himself asked Someone like Peter to pray. Who we know was unstable. Became unfaithful for a season. But came full circle and committed himself totally to the Lord. But Jesus, God incarnate. But yet not using His divinity. But in His humanity so He could relate to us and be an example to us. He asked Peter for prayer. That's astonishing in itself. He asked the man to pray for him that he told the man before the cock crows. You'll deny me. He knew how unstable Peter was, but he said, if you'll pray, if you will pray, if you'll pray for me. I'll tell you, praying for one another bearing one another's burdens, supporting one another in prayer. We got a taste of it with Arman in Pakistan. I believe the Lord wanted to to put that in parenthesis to us. He wanted to put it in a way that we would see it clearly, that we see a crisis all the way in Pakistan. We receive a prayer request from someone we've never met, but they're part of our family. They're, they're part of our family. And did you feel the burden when I told you about it? Did you feel that burden to pray? Some of you just took it. No one had to shame us or challenge us. Some of us just took him to heart and said, I'm going to pray for him. I feel a burden to pray. You know what you did, what I did? We went into spiritual warfare. We didn't have to oh yeah, we went right the moment you begin to intercede, you encounter forces in the heavenlies. You encounter the force of the devil, but but when you pray in the name of Jesus Christ, Amen, we can defeat that force. Praise God. Amen. And we encounter the forces of God and release them as well. Hallelujah. And when we prayed, and 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 honestly, there was such a sense of urgency because when his wife wrote, she said, Please Please, please that cry for prayer. Maybe missionaries understand if their lives are on the line every single day that they live that, that how vitally important supportive prayer is. Jesus recognized that. He he said I need people praying for me and with me. Well, Peter did what? He prayed a little while and got tired. I'll never forget when I first got saved we had a Volkswagen. And that little Volkswagen was little. Even though I'm little, it was little anyway. And one night I felt a spirit of prayer come on me. And my wife and kids were doing something. I think one my oldest son had somebody over. Anyway, we had, maybe it was Billy, Pamela. I don't know. Anyway, we had another kid over there. And I felt a spirit of prayer come on me and no place to go. Enter into your closet. Closet in that little trailer we were in eight wide wasn't big enough to I had to find somewhere else so I made that Volkswagen my closet and I went out and got on my knees on the driver's side of the Volkswagen got on my knees and used the seat as an altar problem is I'd worked for Tampa Electric in the hot sun all day long and I was worn to a frazzle had sweated through my clothes and and uh, hadn't recovered yet so I got into prayer for about five minutes And my wife came out about two hours later, knocking on the window of the Volkswagen to wake me up because I went to sleep on the Lord. And I felt awful. He called me to prayer and I went to sleep. And see, we we respect and honor Paul. But we love Peter. You know why? Because if he could take Peter... In, in the, you know, as unstable as he was, and make him the rock that he became for the Lord. And there's hope for you and me. Can you say, man? So when I woke up, I thought, Lord, you, you, uh, you forgave Peter. You went ahead and worked in his life. I'm going to ask you to forgive me and be merciful to me. I worked all day. And, you know, it's almost, without him saying anything, it's almost like he said something. I understand. I understand. I know that you're human. I know that you you can't do superhuman things. I know that you're tired. I know that you're worn out. But you came out here to pray. You didn't want to fall asleep, but you did. Amen. But I'm going to honor the fact that, listen, some people don't even bother. Listen, if God wakes you up in the middle of the night and say, pray for Pastor Venable, please, please, please don't go back to sleep. <laughs> pray for me. Amen. I remember when I first got saved, it was such a blessing to me. We were going through it. We would made a stand for the Lord. And, and, you know, initially, it don't always just smooth out. And, and we would made a stand for the Lord and persecution began to come on my job and everywhere else. We, just, we were under the gun and <laughs> kind of shocked us. You know, we're Christian now, do, trying to live right and do right. You know, do right and spit white. We're trying to do the right thing. Troubles came And I thought we were uh, Nobody knew it but God And I wasn't highly developed in prayer I, I knew how to cry out to the Lord But I didn't know a lot about praying in faith Believing and giving that burden to the Lord I needed to be supported in prayer And I remember coming out of our church People that knew that we were new Christian But they didn't know what was going on in our life And a young man At that time was about 16 years old. And he came up to me and he said, God put y'all on my heart. We're in the south. Y'all is okay down here. Can you say amen? God put y'all on my heart. Last night he woke me up. And see, I'd never heard anything like that. God woke me up last night. and put y'all on my heart. And he said, I got up to go to the living room so I wouldn't wake anybody else up to pray instead of my bedroom which is adjacent to my mom and dad's and he said when I got in the living room my mama was on her knees at the couch praying and I said mama what are you doing up she said God woke me up and told me to pray for that couple that just got saved at church and he said well mama God woke me up and told me to do the same thing. And now i got goose pimples on my goose pimples. Can you say amen? I'm serious. That God, God would wake them up and have them intercede for me and my family. And I thought, I've never experienced... I didn't know church was like this. I didn't know people could be woke up by the Holy Spirit. and and And, and on top of that, without knowing I had a need, praying for a need... Because God knew. And I was confident. I said to my wife, and I told her that, I said, honey, I don't know how God's going to bring us through. I don't know what God has. But I know God's got it. I didn't put it in those terms. That's kind of a new term. But God does have it. He has us. And He has people that will intercede. The power of intercession is the most underrated ministry in the church of jesus christ my house will be called a house of preaching absolutely a a house of proclaiming the truth absolutely a house of praise and worship absolutely but none of that is on the top shelf that is not number one with God. It is not number one with Christ. Can you say "Man, My house, my house shall be called a house of prayer. There's power in this thing. There's power in this thing. And the devil knows it. And the devil is never too busy to rock the cradle of a sleeping saint. Amen. He wants us to sleep, to slumber. He doesn't want us to rise up and intercede. He doesn't want us to pray. I'm not talking about our little professional prayers or our little obligatory prayers. You know, God is great, God is a good, pass the gravy and whatever. Can you say amen? No, He wants us to pray. That prayer like Elijah prayed, to Elijah wasn't no different from us. That's why he ended up in a cave fearful and and, and saying, Lord, I'm jealous for you and they're going to kill me and I'm the only one left and poor old me. God had to go in there and, and pry him out of that cave before he died of hunger. Can you say, man, God first met his immediate need and fed him with a meal that he lived on for 40 days. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. restored his faith and his vision. But he had to get him out of that cave before he could do that. But when he prayed in the will of God, God shut the heavens for the space of three years. Amen. And when he prayed again, God opened the heavens. Amen. Hallelujah. And the Bible said that he wasn't nobody special. Oh, he was a prophet, yes, but he was a man first. Subject to like passions as we are. Everybody say, he was just like us. But the next verse says in the book of James that he prayed. He prayed in the will of God and he prayed in faith. And that's all that was necessary for God to move like God moved. And what a miracle it was. And you know what he did after he prayed? He spoke. Son, stand thou still. This is another instance. Same man. Amen. Moon, don't you even think about going down. As long as this battle is flowing. <laughs> and God's people are winning. We need Daylight. So the enemy don't recover and recoup. In another instance, God answers prayer again. It's powerful. It's powerful. Moses is standing. He's standing on a hill. God's people are involved in battle. He's standing up on the hill. Said he has his hands raised. The Chalde, which part of the New Testament was written in, is more specific. It said he had his hands raised in prayer. It was the marriage of praise and prayer together. That's a powerful thing. When, you, when you're not just pleading, but while you are giving the petition, you're praising God for the answer simultaneously. You're not waiting for it to come. You start praising God while you're petitioning. Hallelujah. His hands raised in prayer. Everybody say his hands raised in prayer. I'm almost done, but I restricted and if I can take this coat off I believe I can finish quicker and if I can take this shirt out I won't have to pull my pants up can you say man? and that will make me feel less restricted hallelujah oh it's ok they won't go no further amen. I've tested them before pants on the ground pants on the ground amen You were jumping not by the Holy Spirit. I see. I heard that. Long long as it's in the Holy Spirit, you've got Holy Ghost suspenders. But you jump without the Holy Ghost, then you're on your own. (laughs) A man subject to like passions as we are. But he prayed in the will of God. He prayed in the will of God. And He was like us, but He prayed, He used and utilized the privilege, the power, and the authority of prayer. Listen, listen to this real quick. But we'll get back to the shield, but listen to this. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, as we try to close. Ephesians 6 and verse 10. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places, and the rulers of the darkness of this world. Wherefore, take ye the whole armor of God, and then that you might be able to stand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Now, there's a little misunderstanding right at that point. Because it means that you're not putting the armor on and doing something other than putting the armor on and using faith, because this is a good fight of faith. Having done all, in the actual Greek would read like this. Having overcome all. See, you don't put the armor on to see if you can win. You don't go out and face the devil with God's armor wondering who's going to win when the fight is over. Having done all literally means having overcome all. Because when you put the armor on, for you to be defeated, God's armor would have to fail. You didn't hear me. For me to be defeated, God's armor would have to fail. I'm going to have to lay the shield down for the fiery dart to get through. Because it cannot penetrate that shield. I'm going to have to leave the sword in its sheath for the devil to harm me. Because if I take it out and use it, he's not going, oh no, 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 Oh no, he didn't. Oh, no, he isn't. Can you say amen? No, he isn't. You can blame him if you want to. I'm tired of blaming the devil for any defeat in my life. Amen. I have access to holy, heavenly armor. And I'm not going to give the devil credit for defeating me. I have to lay down that shield. I have to leave the sword in the sheath. I have to leave the breastplate off. I have to not put on my hobnail boots that I can stand my ground in. Amen. The, The shoes of righteousness and the shoes of peace and if you do put it on the next step having overcome all having overcome all having overcome all I'm going to tell you God's God's armor God's armor can't be penetrated That's why the Bible said, take ye the whole armor. Don't leave one piece of that covering off. Because that's where the enemy is going to come. And once you get it on, there's something then you can do. You can't do more than put it on until you get it on. But when you get it on, there's something to do. It enumerates the armor. The helmet, the breastplate. Loins girt about with truth. Actually, when you put the armor on, Another verse of Scripture says, Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill it in the lust thereof. And the Bible speaks of putting on the armor of light. Can you say, man? And the light has shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. Satan has no weapon against light. His element is is darkness. That's why his, his hierarchy of demonic powers are called the rulers of the what? The darkness of this world. And it's that darkness with which he blinds the minds of men, lest they would see the glory of the gospel and be saved. But we are, we are armored with the armor of light. And we have put on the Lord Jesus in this sense. It's through Christ we are saved. No other name given under heaven. It's His, it's His salvation that is brought to us. It's His righteousness that has been granted us. It's His Word that we use in battle. It's His faith, ultimately. The life that I now live in the flesh, Paul said, I live by the faith of the Son of God. When you put on God's armor, you're just putting on Jesus. You're not Jesus. But you've been given His righteousness, His salvation, His Word, His truth. If you continue in my Word, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. You put on the belt of truth. His peace, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives, give I thee. In the world you'll have tribulation. Cheer up, I've overcome the world. Can you say man? So the church sits hopeless, helpless, powerless, defrauded of our privilege of power. And we whine about all all that's wrong in the world and all that's wrong with the church and all that's wrong with our homes, our families, our lives, and our bodies. Men ought always to pray, Jesus said, and not to faint. After Jesus came through the temptation in the wilderness where did he go next where did he go next he went he said literally he was led of the spirit the greek is stronger it said he was driven by the spirit in other words he couldn't go anywhere else but where he went and be in the will of god and he went into the wilderness and was there alone he went there To face the temptations that he was going to face. It's amazing to me. The defeat that is occurring in the body of Christ. Not just in the pew, but in the pulpit as well. The divorce rate among Christians matches. Statistics don't lie. Matches the world. We're faring no better in our marriages. Something is wrong. If two Christians can't have hope that they can make it, and sometimes they mess up and they foul up and God forgives and God restores, I understand that. I'm saying there's too much defeat in the body of Christ. When the We used to be different. We could demonstrate victory. There's too much defeat. I'm going to say this and I don't say it in a proud way. But there's too much sickness. His name is what? Jehovah Sikinu, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Shama. But that's not all. A name shows His character, what He is, what He does. He's Jehovah Rapha. They had a covenant with Him. It wasn't just blood on the doorpost when He brought them out of Egypt. They had killed the Lamb to get the blood. And the death angel said, I'm going to pass over you when I see the blood. But there's a do more than that. They ate the flesh of the Lamb. They, they internalized. They partook of the Lamb. And when they walked out of Egypt, the Bible said in the book of Psalms, He brought them out. Number one, a dog couldn't even bark. God's deliverance. God's deliverance. God's deliverance. God is such a stickler when He delivers His people that the enemy can't get an edge. The enemy can't get an edge on his hedge. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm going to bust several rhymes before I'm done this morning. Glory be to God. The devil can't get an edge on God's hedge. It's not a partial deliverance whom the sun sets free. Whom the sun sets free. If He does it, He does it absolutely. He does it completely. The enemy can just rear all he wants, can you say, man? But he can't do nothing about it. He might have well to hold his peace. Because every tongue that rises against you as a covenant person, He said, in Isaiah shall be utterly condemned. Can you say, man? Every tongue, every accusation. God said, I won't listen to none of it. No weapon. No weapon. No weapon. No weapon. None. I don't care what he's got. It won't work against you. This is the heritage. This is your birthright. This is your covenant right. Of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness Is of me, saith God. I pronounce them not guilty. I have cleansed them. (laughs) Hallelujah. And devil, you can't condemn them. So shut up. Back off. Wow. We used to. Say boy if you want to if you want to get delivered set free healed get in a church that believes in divine healing look for look for this somewhere up on that platform can you say man amen? amen it's not enough to have big steeples and stained glass and, and all the trappings of religion we need the presence and power of god amen when i had a stroke People begin to pray. The first thought of my wife was pray i wasn 't fighting in the sense of fighting to live. I had such peace on me i i was I was just I was so close to heaven, and I felt so close to him. I can tell you what's going to happen when you get down to the time when you know that you could be passing. All that fear and, you know, you've heard the song, I won't have to cross Chilly Jordan alone. Honey, you won't have to cross Chilly Jordan at all. There's no chill in it. He took the chill out of Chilly Jordan. There's the warmth of his presence because precious, Psalm 116, precious precious in the sight of the lord is the death of his saints when we get ready to go home he stands up you know he's seated at the right hand of the father and how long is he going to be seated he said till my enemies become my footstool till my church finally prevails can you say man till my church finally prevails (laughs) till my church finally prevails antichrist would come on the scene today I believe he's alive somewhere in the world today. But he's restricted until he that let, until he that letteth, until he that holds this thing back is taken out of the way. It is the New Testament church filled with the Holy Spirit praying, amen, in faith that is holding this whole world together right now. And the devil wants us to sit down, shut up, Give up on prayer and become as sick and worried as the world about us. God is calling. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But God is calling. But God is calling. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as you are, but he prayed. He prayed in full surrender and in faith in the will of God. And God shut the heavens for three years. He prayed again when God told him to. And God opened the heavens. And he said he was just like y'all. Amen. But he prayed. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory we didn't put our armor on to walk around and show off our shield. The shield of faith is not a force within you. There's nowhere that is confirmed in Scripture. Nowhere. Not one Scripture. You can make it say that, but if you leave it as it is, it does not say that. The shield of faith is your absolute Trust in God to provide for you and protect you. Thou, O oh Lord, I love the way David put it, and the song said it. Thou, O oh Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. Faith in your faith. If your faith wavers, You're gone. The devil would destroy you. Faith in his faithfulness will never fail you because God watches over his word to perform it. Hallelujah. And his promises, if we believe them, are yes and amen. Hallelujah to everyone that believes today. After you put the armor on, then you can do something. Then we must do something. But the something we do is a spiritual thing. Some people just rebuke the devil. They don't pray first, they haven't developed a prayer life. They just want to use their authority. Jesus prayed, He had all power in heaven and earth, but He went up apart from them and prayed. Why in the world with one with such power and anointing need to pray? Because he's going to delegate power and anointing to us. But he said, you've got to pray. You can't just say until you pray. You can pray and then say, but you can't say before you pray. You've got to bow. You've got to discover the will of God. You've got to surrender to it. And then you can tell the mountain to move. And doubt not that it will move because you know it's God's will before you say it because you've already prayed about it. Asking in Jesus' name is not using the title. It is knowing that it's God's will. It's praying like Jesus would pray. Hallelujah. You can put on this we're coming up on all Hallow's Eve when we're celebrating all that junk and in, in all over the world you can get a police uniform. You can order a police uniform. You can put on a fake badge. You can get yourself a cap pistol that looks real. And you can walk up to somebody and say in the name of the sheriff, whoever he is now, used to be Walter Heinrich years ago, I don't know who he is, David G. In the name of David G., Sheriff of Hillsborough County, I've come to arrest you. You're not going to arrest somebody, you're going to get arrested for impersonating an officer. Somebody go look at that little badge with Roy Rogers on it and say, you know something? I don't think you have the authority to arrest me. I want to see your credentials. Amen? So when the seven sons of Sceva, a Jew, decided to cast out devils, they saw Paul do it in the name of Jesus. They said, we can make a lot of money because there's a lot of devils and a lot of people. And they found a guy that... Really was possessed. And they said, We'll take care of this. We got this to whoever brought him. They said, In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preacheth, we adjure you to come out. And the devil spoke through the man and said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. It, but who are you? Can you say, man, who are you? And there were seven of them, very confident, competent young men. And this one guy jumped on them and beat them bloody and tore their clothes off of them. You can't go around frivolously using the name of Jesus. But what a, what a badge for Paul. We know Paul. If he had told us the same thing that you're telling us in the name of the same master that you're talking about, if Paul had done it, he's got the authority. And we would have had no choice. There wouldn't have been a long half-the-night argument about it. We would have had no choice. Can you say, man? No choice but to come out. But who are you? Can you say, man? Listen to me very carefully today. The church used to have power. Now we've got pop psychology added to our counselors because we've lost the power. We're having to subsidize with something else. Amen. We think that Dr. Phil type or Ofra type psychology is going to solve the problems in families. And that's why our own families are breaking down. Our own marriages are failing. The pulpit is in bad shape as the pew. It's not like there's a powerful preaching in the pulpit and a powerful life being lived. Amen. That should be affecting everyone else. Amen. The infection goes both ways now. we got preachers that don't know how to intercede. We have preachers that know little or nothing about spiritual warfare. All we do is read about programs. We're more social, a social order, than a spiritual force anymore. And until we get sick and tired of being sick and tired, and we decide that we're going to receive what God has purposed and provided, we cannot blame God for our condition. Can you say, man, we have to own this thing? If we're going to see a revival and a restoration, we need to own this thing. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're used to a cut and dried church service, that's what's killing revival. It's not the demons and the devils and the sin. God's got power over all of that. Amen. It's the deadness in the church. It's the satisfaction in the pew that says, give me one condensed hour. Amen. Don't challenge me to change. Don't give me under any kind of holy ghost conviction don't ever call me amen to account for my own spiritual condition or life condition let me keep blaming the devil and keep telling me that that god will somehow see me through it regardless of what i do we're wrong about that god has given us a penelope god has given us a covering and god said if you'll take it and put it on i will be with you in battle and you will not fail can you say amen There is victory in Jesus. And if you ever get it, it'll show. It'll show. It's self-evident. You can't fake this. You can sing the song, Victory in Jesus, without the victory. But it's not the same as having the victory. Can you say, man? Listen to me carefully. After putting the armor on, there's something we must do. Having overcome all. Past tense. Past tense. Past tense. Past tense. After he enumerates the army and armor and says, Having done all, stand. He says, Praying. 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 Interceding. With all prayer. All the manner of prayer, prayer and supplication, petition, definite request, intercessions, spiritual warfare, pray. Amen. Where we bind and we loose. All prayer. Come on, there's more than just one kind of prayer. I give you the keys to the kingdom. This is released in prayer. This is where we take it to the devil. We don't wait for him to come to us. We take the battle to him. Behold, I give you the authority, the keys. Keys mean authority. I don't have to ask who the boss man is on a loading dock, I can find him amen he's got a big old set of keys that unlocks everything in that plant can you say man hallelujah how do you know who's got authority who's got that big old set of jingling keys can you say man he's the head man what in charge he said i'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of god spiritual i'm going to show you how spiritual things are bound up and how spiritual things are loosed what you bind on earth See, he didn't say, I will bind in heaven in that sense of it. He said, it's already bound in heaven. You've got to discover the will of God. Amen. What is it? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Once God releases His will and reveals it from heaven, we have the power to enforce it on earth. Amen. Hallelujah. I want everybody saved. So go in all the world. What does heaven say? Go in all the world and preach the gospel to every single creature. Amen. Do we have the authority, the mandate from God? We got it. Every time that we witness, every time that we share Jesus, anywhere we are in our world or the world, the all of heaven's resources are ours. Can you say man? The devil don't like it, but he can love it because he sure can't keep God from speaking through us. You just start witnessing to somebody, all hell will oppose you, but you'll feel it coming from here instead of here, and it'll pour out your mouth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! what you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and what you loose in other words when heaven and when heaven and God's people with the authority begin to work in concert and in tandem whew, his will in heaven can be enforced on the earth but it's got to be enforced because the devil ain't going to give it up unless we take it from him Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're so busy trying to wrestle something from God that we should be taking from the devil. How long would you be slack? Has he done released it in heaven through the mouth of the prophets, through the mouth of, of Moses? He says, how long would you be slack to those people that didn't cross over Jordan and take the land? Amen. How long would you be slack? How long would you be slack? How long will you sit back on your knees and complain instead of going over and taking the land? How long will you... Listen, let me tell you where complaining is going to lead you, and I don't care how pious you are this morning. It won't be long that complaining is going to turn into accusing. After a while, God is going to get accused of unfaithfulness. Your flesh and my flesh would rather accuse God than own what's wrong. And we've got to crucify the flesh and its desire to blame... We can't play the blame game with God. If you don't own it, God can't deliver you from it. God can't help you with it. You've got to own it. You've got to own it. God can't help you till you own it, and I own it. It ain't the devil's fault that I fail. You can't keep blaming him with the authority you have. If the good man had known... He wouldn't have allowed his house to be broken into. Amen? You just let me know somebody's coming. I'm going to be ready. You can't come in and just take my stuff. I'm sorry. You're going to call 911? No, not if you're coming through my door. The three of us are going to handle you. Me and Smith and Wesson. Brother Bimble, would you shoot somebody? You don't want to know. Ain't you got no faith? Yeah, I also got a car. I actually drive it too. I do not transport myself by faith. If you don't own up, and I don't own up, we're going to play the blame game. Let me finish with the blame game. I felt I hit a nerve, so I'm going to bear down on it. Listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully. Blame game. Say Blame game. Easiest thing to do is blame the devil, blame the church, blame the preacher. Blame God, ultimately. Murmur. What's the snakes come? It's when they murmured. And my flesh and yours loves it. Come on, let's own this. It's in your flesh. Don't tell me you never say anything complaining. All liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. Amen? Amen? You don't want to end up there by being dishonest. It's, you're not going to hell. Listen, this is this is giving place to the devil by playing the blame game. I can't blame him. He's just doing his job. That's right. Lion attacked somebody, jumped in the cage with it. They didn't blame the lion. They didn't blame the lion. Remember the guy jumped in the cage with a tiger? Remember the guys that taunted a tiger at a zoo? They went over one fence and taunted the tiger, and it, they had an 18 foot fence or whatever. And the tiger got so mad his adrenaline kicked in. They just kept taunting him and taunting him and taunting him. And the tiger said, You know, I'm tired of this. <laughs> Homie, don't play this. Can <laughs> you say amen? <laughs> And he gave a leap that he was not supposed to do. They were not in violation of the height of the fence, but they were in violation of the temper of the tiger. Amen. He cleared the fence, mauled one of them to death and chased the other one. They had to put the tiger down. But they said it wasn't the tiger's fault. Right. 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 The church don't conceding that the devil has more power than God. That he without you is more powerful than he that's within you. We'll never know victory in the Church of Jesus Christ. We gotta do better. We gotta do better. And Paul said, when you put that armor on, you become invincible in spiritual battle. Hallelujah. For the shield of faith alone will quench every single solitary, fiery dart of the wicked one. It's aimed for your heart, but it can't get in there. If it aims for your head, it'll bounce off the helmet. And if it aims for your chest, it'll bounce off the breastplate. And if the devil tries to lie and tell you anything different, amen, the belt of truth will put down his lie. And the sword of the Spirit... Will cause him to have to draw back. And the shoes of peace will keep you in faith. When everything around you is shaking. Hallelujah. You can stand your ground. And you can and I can overcome. Hallelujah. Pray then he said. Put the armor on. That you can win in the heavenlies. Because when the battle is won there. You're going to see the result down here. But until it's won there. We can't see result down here. Praying with all prayer and supplication for me and all saints. That what? Here's this man that has such an anointing and so many experiences, so much of the gifts of the Spirit. He said, pray for me that utterance may be given me. That means that my words may have import and impact when I speak because there is a war occurring when I preach the gospel. But if y'all are, y'all will pray, then just say "Man, Hallelujah. Hallowed you. That's why Billy Graham will not come to a city to hold a crusade in all of his crusades. Unless there's one year of intercessory preparatory prayer. He's saying literally, I can't preach that good. I can't reach into the human heart. Amen. I can't achieve... Seeing people come to Christ with the great choir and my reputation as an evangelist, there's spiritual warfare going to occur. And if the churches in that city want to see revival in that city, people come to Christ in that city, you commit to pray for one year. One year, I remember when they were rallying churches, you got to commit to a year of prayer before the crusade comes to Tampa. Because if you're not going to pray, you're expecting a man to do in his flesh, in his theological training... In his personality, what only can be done by the Holy Spirit. And when we shift to that, that's all we get is what man can do in the flesh. We don't get what God can do. That's why he's calling us back to a place of prayer. And he's calling us to own the responsibility for what's happening in our life. And quit blaming people. And quit blaming the devil. And quit blaming God who we need so desperately to help us. It started with Adam, didn't it? Started with Adam. Eve listens to the serpent. Adam listens to Eve. And God calls him on it. Because he put him in charge. And God said, what is this that thou hast done? He says it with conviction. I'd watch him if I were you. What did Adam say? That woman you gave me. When God asked him why you did it, he said, he pointed at Eve. The first time he saw Eve, he didn't talk like that, did he? No. Amen. I, I, I don't think this is in the King James, but I think it should have been. He's, he, he saw Eve when he saw Eve for the first time. He said, this is bone of my bone. This is flesh of my flesh. Woo! Look at him, look at him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. God made y'all pretty. I can't help it. That's just the way he did. He made you ladies attractive. I mean, this is a good looking fella, but he just don't rate up there. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. But then when the pressure's on, he plays the blame game. The woman you gave me, if you hadn't given me that woman, this would have never happened. It's your fault, God. Indirectly. Did God buy it? No. Did He let him off the hook playing the blame game? Absolutely not. When he owned his sin, God said, no, The curse is going to come, the chastisement's going to come, but I'm going to make a way for you to tell the land. I'm going to make a way for you to make a living. Listen carefully. You can't play the blame game. When Moses went up to the mountain, got a close. When Moses went up to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, he was gone too long. They overrode Moses. He left Aaron in charge. The high priest. They decided they wanted a God they could see, feel, touch. They took all of the gold they had to be melted down into molten gold. And they knew that Aaron knew how to fashion. It's kind of like the die. Casting a die. He was able to fashion something they could pour the gold into. So that when it hardened, it would be in the shape of a golden calf. And Aaron knew it was dead wrong. But the people were persuasive. And he feared them. I'll tell you what you need out of a pulpit. Every preacher that is caving in and capitulating to his congregation or her congregation and to the world and to the culture doesn't belong in a pulpit anywhere in America. Can you say man? I don't go to church for somebody to tell me wrong is right and get me in trouble with God. I go to church to be challenged to be right with God. Hallelujah, you can change churches and find liberal churches all over the place they 're discussing things right now that the, what they 're going to obey in the Bible and what they 're going to go against in the bible they 're having what they call holy conclaves to discuss whether we allow this and whether we permit that and the and the Methodist Church part of it is capitulated uh, the The Anglican Church has disassociated with part of their uh, constituency here in America and the Catholic church is being pressured to ca- capitulate and there are Pentecostal preachers that are quiet they've buttoned their mouth and they've buttoned their lip and they will not speak out because they love the the the, the security blanket that they have in their success uh, and, and they won't speak out and there are those that won't call sin, sin anymore and they boast about it And 30,000 people show up on Sunday. So there's a church for you. No matter what you do, you can do what you want. There's some church that will embrace you and tell you it's fine. But let no man deceive you. It's my immortal eternal soul. I don't want to just take anybody's word for it. I want God's word on it. Where you spend eternity hasn't based on where you go to church. It's what you believe is true and what you apply to your life. Listen to me carefully. This gets so serious when we get right down to the the absolute eternal consequences of it. I feel this in my soul so strong. This election year is something else. But God has something in mind. God has something in mind God has a plan when we don't have a clue And we got all kinds of political activists But God has the plan And until there's activity in the heavenlies Through intercessory prayer All of our activism Is in vain All of our activism Is in vain Some trust in horses, some in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not saying we shouldn't have activism and we shouldn't be politically concerned. I'm saying if you're not in your prayer closet, if you and I are not utilizing the power of prayer that's granted us, then we're losing by default. Let's get, let's get Aaron out of his pickle or in it deeper so we can quit. Moses comes down. He's been gone 40 days. It's all it took for them to shift from the true and living God to a golden idol. They are dancing and praising around. There's music, a festival around this golden calf idol. And they were so deceived by the devil that they would have offered, not only bowed to an idol, but about ready to choose an innocent child to offer as a sacrifice. If he hadn't got back when he did, that's where it was going to take them. Idolatry is not a light thing. It's going to take you deeper than just bowing to the idol. There's a demon behind that idol that wants to do more than just be bowed to a stone or golden image. He wants to possess the mind and heart and life and ultimately the soul. Moses said, what is this? And where does he go? Who does he talk to? That's why judgment begins at the house of God today. He goes to Aaron who he left in charge with authority. Said, what's this I hear? What's going on? What's this calf? What are they about to do? And Aaron said, The people melted down their gold and brought it to me. And listen, are you ready for this? And out came this calf. Uh You know what people are saying in church peers today? The outcome of my. Faith in God has been so dismal and I've been in such a mess and life is so screwed up and I'm so messed up. It just happened. No, it didn't. No, it didn't, darling. Every word we speak, everything we do, how we use or don't use our faith, we're crafting something. Amen? God's not mocked what I sow. It's coming back. You sow the wind, you don't reap the wind, darling. You reap the whirlwind. God is not mocked. It's spiritual law. It's not something He has to decide when He moves at the sunrise of each day. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. No, Robert, Robert, Robert is making the decisions. I'm sowing the seeds that are going to bring blessing or cursing. I'm sowing the seeds that's going to gain his favor or get his chastisement. I'm sowing the seeds that is going to cause the devil to back off or open the door to him. I'm making the choices. I choose to put on the armor or not. I choose to take time for prayer or forfeit it. I choose to obey and apply the word or to just go my own way and look for someone to blame. I want to own my sin because I want to be forgiven of it. Because when I'm forgiven, something begins. Restoration. When the prodigal came home and is forgiven and gets that kiss of forgiveness from his daddy, he gets the robe back. He gets the ring on his finger. He gets the shoes on his feet. And he gets the barbecue. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. And he gets to celebrate that repentance brings restoration. And restoration is a joyous thing. Can you say, man? Will you stand to your feet? I'm done. Not going to blame nobody. Brother Vimble, you don't know how I've been hurt. I know what Jesus said about forgiveness. I know what Jesus said about forgiveness. So if you've been hurt so bad you refuse to forgive, it's not what hurts you that's hurting you anymore. It's your refusal to forgive the person who hurt you. And that's holding you in a chain of bondage. Because if you don't forgive men... No matter how justified you may feel, you're in no position as a forgiven man or woman to withhold forgiveness from any man or woman. Can you say, man, you're in no position? You say, brother, member, you don't know what happened to me. I don't need to know. Jesus said, if you have aught against any, when you stand praying, this is where the devil says, I got to stop. This is his last bastion of hope to stop the power and victory of prayer from being achieved. When you stand doing what? When you you got the armor on, you're in the arena of battle. When you stand what? When you stand praying. If you have aught against any, before you utter another word, forgive. Forgive. Christ said, if you don't forgive men their trespasses, your Father in heaven will not forgive you yours that means you would have to be sinlessly perfect to have any kind of relationship with God, and that is humanly impossible. But you can be forgiven. But it's contingent upon forgiving. Forgive us our trespasses. Listen, contingent. As we forgive those who trespass against us. You see how crucial that is? And if we don't challenge... And we don't tell people the truth about that. We're setting them up for failure. And guess who's going to get the blame? God is going to get the blame for being unfaithful. I prayed, Brother Vimble, I got all the faith in the world. This is not about faith anymore. This is about qualifying to use your faith. And God is faithful. God is faithful. How many will pray with me right here this morning? For a cleansing of our heart, our mind, our lives. We're at a crucial, critical time. Prayer for a Christian is like oxygen. For a man diving under the water. It's the only way we breathe heaven's atmosphere. is in prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is raising up an army to pray. He's got to get it among His people. We're the only ones who qualify. It's got to be through people like you and me. Through faith. Through faith. The Bible said in Hebrews 11, they obtained promises. Out of weakness were made strong. Waxed valiant in fight and put the armies of the aliens to flight. Can you say, man, he said, I don't need strong people. I need people that know the power of prayer. I need someone weak enough to depend on God. Who will use their faith in God and be faithful to God. Out of weakness, they were made strong. Waxed, valiant in fight and got defeated. No, put the armies of the aliens to flight. Lady, you said it earlier. If one of us can chase a thousand, when two of us come into agreement in prayer, what happens? We can put 10,000. It's not added. It's multiplied. And that's why the devil wants to keep us divided. Come on. He wants to keep us divided. He wants to keep us divided. Husbands and wives. Children and parents. Enemies be they of your own household. Just keep them divided. Divide and conquer. Conquer. But if they ever get together with God and one another, there's nothing in hell that will stop God's will in heaven being wrought upon the earth. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 Let's give him some praise before we...